Welcome to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm Ryan Sanderson, and I'll be your host on this journey through the world of Alberta barbecue and beyond. Hello, and welcome to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. This is episode number 105, and I sure do appreciate listening in. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on Google or Apple Podcasts, and thank you for your support. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. This week's network shout-out goes to I Don't Get It. Hosts Fonda Mithrush and Paul Blinoff offer a critical perspective on performances of all kinds. Please visit www.albertapodcastnetwork.com for links to I Don't Get It and all the other great shows on the network. Don't forget to check in with your local barbecue joints to see what they're offering and do what you're able to and comfortable with to support them. If you're here in Alberta, you can visit www.albertabbqtrail.ca for a listing of barbecue joints here that are open and what they're offering. I'm very excited to have Greg Rempe, the OG of Barbecue Podcast, on the show this week. You may recall me mentioning a few weeks back that Greg had reached out to me about some audio quality issues I was having. I hope that since then the podcast has been a little easier to listen to, and I really enjoyed the opportunity to speak with him last week. First up, though, this episode of the Eat More Barbecue Podcast is brought to you in part by Straight from the CPA's Mouth, a new podcast series created by the CPA Education Foundation and funded by the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center. Alberta's Chartered Professional Accountants, or CPAs, are experts on a wide range of topics and issues of interest to Albertans. Straight from the CPA's mouth has discussions on topics important to you, from leadership skills and achieving career potential, to financial literacy and how to make your tax refund bigger. Whether you're a university student, a new Albertan, or a parent, you'll find something of value on this unique podcast. You'll find Straight from the CPA's Mouth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or on the CPA Education Foundation's website at cpaalberta.ca slash foundation. That's cpaalberta.ca slash foundation. Good day, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. Uh, Via Zoom, really excited to have with me uh, from... The Barbecue Central Show, Greg Rempe. Greg, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Ryan, I'm absolutely fabulous. And I am so appreciative that you find it even minutely valuable to have me on as a guest. Rarely am I on this side of the microphone. So it's a great pleasure for me on a Sunday. Well, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day for me. It's, uh, yeah, the, the couple of times I've uh, been guests on other people's podcasts, it is a little, uh, little different to be on the other side of the mic. Indeed. Let's start out, uh, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Who's, uh, who is Greg Rempe? Well, it's wildly exciting, so I hope everybody's sitting down and ready to strap on the seatbelts. I'm married mm. 24 years to the same lady. We got three lovely daughters, 19, 17, and 15. The oldest yep. one is getting ready to start her sophomore year at Seton Hill University, which is just east of Pittsburgh. She is on a volleyball scholarship, which is nice. uh, great. A lot of work put into that in the Absolutely. past year. So it's nice to see it paying off. I got a 17-year-old that's going to be starting her senior year and a 15-year-old will be starting her freshman year in high school during the day. I'm a class eight Peterbilt sales guy for one of the biggest dealers here in Ohio. And I am specifically focusing on fleet and major account sales. I don't know exactly what major account means, but you know, fleet's big. So that's what mm-hmm. I do during the day. And course outside of any work or anything else in the show we do a lot of travel sports traveling so that's right, me in a yep. nutshell. 
Right on. How's uh, the whole COVID-19 situation been for you guys? Um, from a work standpoint, I did suffer a little bit with one of my mm-hmm. bigger accounts actually in the trash and construction business. So right. we ended up dumping 30 to 40 units, which kind of sucked. That but hurts, yeah. Things are starting to rebound a little bit. So that's good. And we'll see how that pans out here. I think from a business standpoint, at least in my industry, we're not really going to know how things are going to correct themselves. Probably within the next four to six months will be a good telling sign for me and, and for the rest of the heavy duty industry. Uh, sure. As far as just us here locally, Ohio was really big on locking down early. So I think there was a big stemming of any real huge outbreak. Certainly we've had our share and uh, you know, with all the protesting and mm-hmm. uh, reopening going on, uh, I think nationally we're going to see bigger spikes uh, because yeah. people are just around each other. Although when you look at a lot of the footage, there does seem to be a lot of face mask wearing, but there certainly isn't a lot of six feet from no. each other keeping. So we'll have to see how that works out here over the next couple of months. But uh, Ohio and Cleveland specifically has been a little more tepid than some of the other places that I've talked to as far as getting out into the restaurant scene or going into restaurants. Patios are a little different, but geez, the weather hasn't been overly great. I mean, it's sunny skies today, but it's like yeah. 62 degrees so and a little breezy, so it's not great. El Fresco dining. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't, the people that I'm talking to are like, eh, I would support still the curbside. And, but going in, people are like, eh, everybody wants to have everybody else do it first to see what happens. And, exactly. Uh, you know, yeah, we'll wait, see wait how it happens. See. Yeah, for everybody, sure. Wait and see. Well, yeah, didn't, uh, Ohio wasn't one of the places, you know, we heard about up here in Calgary, uh, in Canada, wasn't one of the places we heard about uh, as a hot spot for sure. So, uh, good to hear you. Everyone's healthy and uh, keeping well. For I work in yeah. I work in the trucking industry for a trucking company. So oh great. Uh, re- related and uh, certainly we've uh, we felt it. So I kind of know where you're coming from on that. How was uh, how was freight moving for you guys? It's slowly. Well, yeah. it's yeah. It's just uh, our main lane. We're uh, we're a deck carrier, uh, oil and gas. So Texas, Alberta is kind of our main uh, our main lane, and it's yeah. uh, it's not where we want it for sure. So yeah. Uh, it, uh, some, some signs that things are starting to come around a little bit. So, Good. yeah. Uh, barbecue. How, how did, uh, where did the interest in barbecue come from for you, Greg? I think my story is probably not unlike a lot of folks my age. You grew up watching your dad hit the grill. And I mean, just the grill. We had this mm-hmm. great Weber kettle that sat on mm-hmm. the side of the house. I don't even know if I ever saw my dad use it. And it was one of the versions where, there were three dampers on the bottom. Over time, as you know, it's evolved into this one-touch you know, system that you just kind of right. sweep. It also cleans mm-hmm. out the bottom. But I really loved the three-damper model because you could really dial in lower temperatures with that. You could bank the coals over to one side. and You could close down two of the vents and just open and, and manipulate how much of the opening that you wanted on the bottom intake to really control that air coming in onto the fuel and then make your exhaust adjustments as necessary as well. But um, he was more of a gas guy and it was a lot of grilling steaks and burgers, hot dogs, chicken. There was never really any slow and low barbecue as I was growing up. And then Mm -hmm. where I was introduced, uh, you can always track it back to my cousin, Glenn, who was a barbecue caterer at the time in Maryland. And I had just moved into my first house a couple years later. I'd cooked through the back of the Kenmore grill that my wife 
got me like literally cooked through the back of it. It fell out. <laughs> and so I yeah. was on the lookout for a new cooker. And I was looking at this Gen Air $1,300 at the time, all stainless, big infrared burner on the back, all the bells and whistles. And I ended up talking to my cousin and he said, hey, do you know anything about barbecue? And I said, no, aside from sauce. And he explained the whole thing to me and uh, that there were a whole bunch of different cookers that allowed you to get to these low temperature ranges and said, right. you know, look at a Weber Smoky Mountain. Then you could also buy a Weber grill. Now you'll have two different cooking vessels. You can two two different styles and you'll probably save yourself some money in the process. He was absolutely right. And so yeah. I got a Weber Smoky Mountain for Father's Day. My wife brought one home for me probably 17 years uh, ago now. I followed the directions to the T, which if you have a Weber Smoky Mountain, you know that is a cardinal sin because they give you terrible directions. Because you're starting at like the highest temperature possible and you're trying to bat down the temperature instead of right. building from you building, know the lowest yeah. point and then controlling on the way up, which I learned over time. So mm -hmm. I made an incredibly average rack of ribs and I thought, wow, my cousin lied to me. This is terrible. <laughs> and I've, you know, my wife spent this money. I feel so ashamed. Mm -hmm. And I almost threw it out and, or turned it into a flower pot. But I got online, yeah. found the virtualweberbullet.com, which was specifically dedicated to that cooker. And literally, Ryan, that's where this whole thing took shape. I found an online yeah. resource that talked about it, that had community, and my life was changed from then on. Awesome. And I guess that kind of leads into the, your show, the Barbecue Central Show, and uh, the history of that and how it got started. Talk about that a little bit. So in keeping with the virtual Weber bullet, I liked the community so much that I was quite an active member, so much so that the administrator said, you should maybe not ask so many questions. And I was like, well, why? This is all part of it, right? It's community. It's asking yeah. questions. So, so I decided that I would start my own barbecue forum. And that's what I did. And it became uh, really one of the more trafficked barbecue forums at the time. This was early 2000s. So at yeah. that time, that was like the cool thing to do. It seems archaic at this point in 2020, but back then that was the thing to do. So there were also an onslaught of other barbecue forms. So to separate, I started what was then the Barbecue for You podcast. And it was a straight podcast like you do and a lot of the other ones that are out there now, right. where I would long form it and then cut it down to about 20 to 30 minutes of the best and then upload it once a week. And that's where it started. Then there was an onslaught of barbecue podcasts as well. So to re-separate, I started a live show. I found a guy on Craigslist, of course, who was starting an online uh, internet radio station in Los Angeles and was looking for hosts. And I got in touch with him. And I said, hey, I do a 30 to 40 minute barbecue podcast for the last few years. I'm thinking about doing an online show. I have no idea how we're going to make this technology work. Because he was literally looking for hosts in the Los Angeles area. I'm in Cleveland. Right. So we yeah. had to figure out how we were going to make the technology work. We figured it out. He questioned me endlessly about how I could possibly do more than like three shows because he thought we would just get through the whole barbecue thing. And I said, trust me, I've been doing it for two years already. I think I have a handle yeah. on it. What's the worst you're going to do? Tell me that I, you're right mm -hmm. and I'm wrong. You'll find another host. We're going to do it for an hour a week. What do you have to do? So I convinced him. Mm -hmm. He bought in and here we go. So we found the technology. He rolled me out once a week. And for an hour, we talked about barbecue and grilling live. And we are now celebrating our uh, 12th year. It was February 7th this past year, 12 years of live shows. And, you know, while the show is, uh, the show was originally an hour 
It's grown to two hours. The content has changed as the audience dictates what they really want to hear. And uh, what they're looking to consume, really, that's the show in, in a nutshell and how it's grown. Wow. So 12 years of the live show yep. and plus a couple of years of the podcast before that. Right. So you, uh, you really have been at this for a little while. A little while, yes. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. So and I guess how you and I started communicating, I just want to touch on that. Uh, going back three, four weeks, you reached out to me. Um, with some suggestions for some audio quality uh, issues I was having. And I, I do appreciate that. So thank you. Uh, so the question I want to ask, uh, as uh, I don't want to age you, but uh, <laughs> the godfather of barbecue podcasts will say, do you feel a bit of a responsibility to kind of help raise the, uh, raise the craft? Well, I'm 45. So that's either old to some or, or not so old. I'm, I think I'm in the middle of this. This is like midlife, I yeah, think is yeah. what they call it. Yeah. So maybe a little yeah, lower. Me, yeah. I'll be 46 in July. Um, I, I don't know if I feel... So he, here's my thought. Mm-hmm. I subscribe to all the barbecue podcasts that I know about or that people tell me about. And when I'm getting my morning run in 5 a.m., I listen mm-hmm. to all the barbecue podcasts. I listen to my show because I'm constantly evaluating how my show sounds, how I sound, how my English is, how my diction mm-hmm. is, if I'm missing things during an interview. Because I have a number, of, like what you see here, I don't know if everybody else can see mm-hmm. this, but there's you yeah. know, a screen here and a screen here and a screen here and a screen here and another two iPads here. And I'm watching a clock as the show is going. So there's a lot of other things that I'm concerned with, aside from sure. having to make sure that I'm paying the, as much attention as I can to the guests without mm-hmm. missing anything. And there's times when I just get lost in stuff and I miss a follow-up or I should have done this instead of doing this. And that's why I listen back to my show. But then I have all this other time to listen to all the other shows. So the shows that I like, I listen to them a few times and I think that there's, that there's something there. Mm-hmm. And if I think I can lend, I never want to cro- come across as, as the douche that is like, hey, I know everything and you should do this. Not my place. But if, no. I, if I have struggled through the same, let me rephrase that. I have struggled through a lot of the things that all of the shows are struggling with when they first start out. Sound quality, maybe it's a room you're in, maybe it's a microphone you're using, maybe you're missing a program that you should be using. I'll just make the suggestions. If you don't want to take them, that's fine. I mean, it's your show. You do what you want to do. You have your voice. I've always been mm-hmm. a huge sound quality proponent because like this show, uh, eat, more, uh, eat More Barbecue, and like my show in podcast form, and like all these other ones, some of them have a video component that's separate, but we're mostly audio consumed. That means yeah. somebody's in a car, somebody's in a computer listening to it, somebody's on a train commuting to work with earbuds. So why wouldn't you want to give your subscriber the best audio possible? Otherwise, they're struggling through all these unconscious uh, mental hurdles of trying to listen. I think conceptually, they think, oh, I like the host. Maybe he's got a great guest. I'm really interested in his content. But meanwhile, it sounds like crap. So they're like, I want to continue. I want to continue. And they get done and they're like, that was troubling. Well, why not make it an easy and enjoyable experience? Whether the content's good or your guest's bad, that's all stuff that you can fix. But the audio stuff should be there and easy and not an impedance or something that's going to have you cause an unsub. You want all the subs that you can get. And so if if I listen to the shows that I find a kinship with or something that I have struggled through, I will certainly 
if I think it's worthwhile and I think the show's got legs like I do with yours because you're unique. Like you're covering a whole different scene and you have mm-hmm. a good point of view and you're not looking to jam it down anybody's throat. You're just giving your thought and uh, doing promotion for the whole Canadian barbecue scene, which is great because right. I don't know a lot about it and I learned mm-hmm. most of it from you. Well, why why wouldn't that. I want to reach out and say, hey, I'm, I've had mm-hmm. this struggle. I know where you're at. Here are some, here are some pieces of advice. And if mm-hmm. I do that for your show and, and four or five or six or 10 other shows, then I, that's the only obligation I feel is that I've been through it. So let me help you if you want. No, and that's, I, I appreciate it. And it, it didn't come across douchey. So you're good. good I mean, trust me, I've been accused of that. <laughs> yeah, we all have, right? <laughs> uh, so what can listeners expect when they tune into the, uh, the Barbecue Central show? It's almost, a, I guess you touched on it, a live show that you do put out as a podcast, but more of a, more of an almost radio format show, right? So the overriding goal is to obviously entertain and inform. And I like to call the show in in the five-second elevator pitch, the ESPN of the barbecue and grilling community. It's not a cooking show. I'm not going to give you recipes or be on camera and be like Guy Fieri or Michael Simon or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But my wheelhouse is getting those folks on and then asking them, sharing their recipes and their tips. It's getting Mm -hmm. a good mix of folks in the industry to talk about what they're doing, the state of the industry as a whole. And while the majority of the show is covering the industry, there are plenty of segments that we've done over the life of the show that aren't barbecue and grilling related at all. Uh, Perhaps most recently, you would have known that we did a three-month run of a version of American Idol on the show where myself and my embedded correspondents literally sang had nothing to do with barbecue and we sang. <laughs> nice. We just changed it up. We had a little fun with it yeah. to uh, change up the pace and uh, be mm-hmm. everything for all barbecue and grilling folks. And certainly we got a lot of email that said, why are you doing this? You're all horrible. Of course. But that's what's fun yeah. about it. I mean, who's yep. the best horrible singer? So that's what you can expect. A lot of barbecue, a lot of live fire, a lot of industry coverage. But every once mm-hmm. in a while, we'll change it up and throw it in your face. Have a little fun with it. Why right? not? And you have kind of kind of a stable of regular guests and features that you rotate through. That's been a evolution of the show. It it didn't mm-hmm. used to be like that. I think in the beginning of the show there was quite a, a pigeonhole for the Barbecue Central show, which was it's a competition only show with little bits of other stuff sprinkled in. But remember, right. at the time the show was really starting to gain momentum, it was also what I call the golden age of the barbecue era. It was on television right. a lot. There was a lot mm-hmm. of interest being generated by it being on television. Everybody wanted to know about it. So I could have in a four-segment show three segments filled with competitive cooks that were taking place and three different competitions and getting all of their views and, well, what happened in this and how was the brisket here? And yeah, I mean, I guess over time that could become a little troublesome, but there always seemed to be if I got two or three of the same answers, the fourth guy always came in, or Gail, came in with a completely different take or a completely Mm -hmm. different way that they were doing things. Or there was this incredibly weird thing that happened at a contest that kept it fresh and kept it evergreen, if you will. So over time, that did change. And as a host who also does all the booking and production and engineering, I don't have a staff. It's not like the Howard Stern show Mm -hmm. where there's a a fleet of writers and other people helping me behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. This is all me. Um, I do have like the embedded correspondents are kind of my, uh, my staffers, if you will all unpaid, of course, but experts in the industry and they like to help. And I certainly appreciate Doug and John and um, uh, 
Jeff and you know all these guys that are uh, have appeared as the embedded correspondents over time. But I said, hey, it might be a little easier on me to have a stable of regulars and then piece it around. Now, what's the best part is a lot of these people are you know high level names in the industry, but it's not the same conversation mm-hmm. that we're having. I mean, Meathead's been coming on the show for about ten years or something like that. We're not having the same conversation every second Tuesday. It's the same guy, but we're always having new conversations, or maybe we're taking an old take and coming back to see if we have changed our mindset. I mean, there are plenty of things that we thought about one way 10 years ago, but advanced 10 years, we could think about it completely different way, or we have a, right. we found out something new, or we can add something new to that conversation that we had back then. So uh, Malcolm Reed and Sam, the cooking guy, by the way, a, a fellow Canadian originally, is, is, yeah. uh, is my first Tuesday of the month regulars. Then we have Meathead on the second Tuesday in the first hour. And then on the third Tuesday, we have a first segment with Stephen Reichland and a first segment in the second hour with Robin Lindars, who's from grillgirl.com. And then on the fourth mm-hmm. Tuesday, we have Derek Riches, who's widely considered to be here in the States, uh, a, a bristly barbecue journalist who doesn't hold back and is uh, not afraid to give his take on the state of the industry or rail against one company or another. And then in the second hour, we have the embedded correspondence segment, which I had mentioned. And those guys are uh, currently Doug Scheiding from Texas and John Solberg from Michigan and Jeff Rice from Wisconsin. But that third seat is going to be potentially up for a a hot swap or a a hot seating, as we call it in the trucking industry. So uh, we might have Jeff on one Tuesday and then, you know, somebody else coming in on, uh, you know, that next month and somebody else coming in on that uh, third month. So we'll see how it works. But that's the, the long right. and the short of the uh, the regulars that show up once a month. And then we fill it in all from there. Right. Oh, that's great. It gives you, uh, you know, some stability. You know, you've got from week to week sure. and uh, everything else. Um, talk about any kind of memorable moments, memorable guests you've had over the years. The first one that always comes to mind as I was just starting the podcast is thinking to myself, could I ever get Stephen Reichlin on my show? Mm-hmm. I watched him on PBS. He was on television doing Barbecue U at the time. That was years and years ago. And he had written Barbecue Bible already and was super yeah. big name for me. And I said, there's no way I'm ever going to get in touch with this guy or I'm going to have to run through a bunch of PR people and it's going to be a miserable experience. Somehow I found his email on, it might've been on barbecuebible.com, like under contact. And I didn't really pay attention to, it was his email address. And I wrote an email. I said, Hey, I'm nobody. I'm doing this podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your whole history. And within 20 minutes, he got back to me and said, love to do it. And I said, Holy moly, this is unbelievable. I was emailing my parents and calling all my friends. And you know, my friends have no idea who anybody is in the live fire industry. And they're like, Oh, great. Who's that? And I'm like, oh, you suck. Good for you. My parents had watched him. My mom watched him a lot, uh, quite a bit too. And so it was a a big get for me. And then we did the interview and it was fun and exciting. And um, that was easily my most memorable first big name guest booking. But over time, uh, my conversations with John Marcus, who's the creator of Barbecue Pitmasters, a couple other shows before that that were the precursors to Barbecue Pitmasters. I've had Randy White, uh, former... NFL great, an NFL Hall of Famer on the show, uh, Robert Rainford, of course, uh, another very successful uh, Canadian barbecue and grill guy, uh, Andy Staples mm-hmm. from ESPN, and then, of course, the legends in the industry that we all know. But you know, the thing that you have to keep in mind is when that was going on with our legends, we were all coming up at the same time for the most part. So mm-hmm. while these are big names now, 
I was getting them right. as we're all making this ascension into that golden age as I was talking about. So mm-hmm. we all felt similar in, in, in the station and nobody felt like they were a big name or nobody's yeah. big timing anybody. Uh, I'm not big timing yeah. anybody if they wanted to come on the show. And nobody was big timing me thinking that they were, you know, too big to be on a, a on an internet based show. So we mm-hmm. all those names that everybody thinks are these uh, magical Tuffy and Myron and Rod Gray and Darren Worth. I mean, you name it. We were all together at that time. I just happened yeah. to capture it at at a great time and foster relationships. If you look through my Skype Rolodex, it would blow your mind mm-hmm. that I could just sit out here and, and reach out to these folks and. You know, I don't need to take a barbecue class because I can reach out to a Sterling Ball or uh, a Darren Worth and say, what should I be doing on this brisket or how should I cook this pork? But it's great, great benefit for me. But again, at the time, we're all kind of the same and we we grew together. Uh, DivaQ is another great example of, you know, we came in. She's a great example because we literally started like the same time and she started um, in Canada, obviously, and she Mm -hmm. was more competition and. I was more media and to see mm-hmm. her rise. But like to me, she's just Danielle because that's how yeah. I knew her before the TV shows and the cookbooks and you know all this other stuff. So the, it just happened to be a really great time for me to foster these relationships when we were all kind of on the ground floor yeah, working out. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's been great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting her last uh, summer. She was through here for a Traeger clinic and uh, went and sat in the trailer and did a podcast with her. And she's, yeah. And that's, I think, barbecue people, for the most part, are just pretty uh, easygoing, normal normal folks. Yeah, so. And, and I, I do want to point out, in Danielle's case, you know, you talk about names in the industry or, or big names. But she, perhaps more than anybody, lives the barbecue lifestyle. Oh, A lot yeah. of people talk yeah. about it. But man, oh man, I mean, every freaking day she is doing something new or changing something, Mm -hmm. an old standard up. Nobody is living it as real as she is. And she doesn't give a crap about what you think. And it is so refreshing to see somebody who has such a passion for the industry doing it as successfully as she is. And there's, I mean, it is, it is very black and white with her. I mean, and she's very accessible and happy to answer questions, but I mean, it is beyond gratifying for me to see how successful she is and how non-commercial, certainly she has, you know, commercial backing and all, but she is, is as non-commercial as it gets. It is literally her way or the highway and she is not sacrificing any ethics or standards or morality to get any higher than she is. And uh, I mean, I can't speak enough good things about her. I, I love her. Absolutely. That's a really good spot to take a short break here for a word from our Alberta Podcast Network sponsors. And when we get back, I want to talk with Greg about uh, what's going on with barbecue there in Cleveland and a few other things. So we will be right back. With Pod Power, ATB is making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. In recognition of Pride Month, this episode we're giving a Pod Power shout-out to Alberta Queer Calendar Project. The Alberta Queer Calendar Project features monthly podcast dramas by queer Albertan writers throughout 2020. Episodes are released monthly and are free to access anywhere you get your podcasts. Listen and learn more about the Alberta Queer Calendar presented by Cardiac Theatre in partnership with What It Is Productions at QueerCalendar.ca. 
All right, we are back uh, on Zoom with Greg Rempe, the Barbecue Central Show out of Cleveland, Ohio. Greg, uh, talk about what's happening in Cleveland there, the barbecue scene. What's what's going on there? Ryan, it's a thunderstorm of crap barbecue here in the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame city. You know, it's funny because I think when barbecue was really hitting its hot spot, and probably over the last three or four years, there we were inundated with barbecue restaurants opening. Mm-hmm. So while there is a large selection, there are, are literally three. If you're going to come through Cleveland, if you're making, I mean, nobody's, it's not a destination across the nation, right? I mean, you either really like rock and roll, so you're going to come here to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But newsflash, I live 10 minutes from it. I've never been there. Because the reviews haven't been overly great. So, I mean, it's like taking a bite of something that's bad and then looking at your friend and say, here, taste this. It sucks. Okay, well, no, I I don't think I want to do that. So if the reviews of the Hall of Fame aren't that great, even though I live here, like, what's the motivating factor for me? So maybe Mm -hmm. I'll get there someday, maybe not. And anyway, to answer your question. So there's a lot of not great barbecue. So if you're going to come through in whatever form or fashion, there's three places that I would tell you to go. One is called Barbecue Smokehouse in Parma, which is a close western suburb of downtown. The other one is the Proper Pig Smokehouse, which is a little further west in Lakewood, Ohio. And then right downtown on East 4th Street is a place called Mabel's Barbecue that's owned by Michael Simon, uh, one of the Iron Chefs there from Food Network, who I was actually able to interview. That's another name as we go back to a Mm. previous question. That was a huge get for me, and it took forever and ever. But we finally did an interview at Mabel's uh, sitting across the table from him, which was really cool. Nice, really cool nice. guy. But yeah. those are the three places that are doing it right. It's good barbecue. Barbecue Smokehouse is as close to Texas operated as I've ever seen. You show okay. up at lunch when it opens. And if you show up at five, you're probably going to get screwed out of most of the good stuff because people realize. And mm-hmm. I, he's he's refreshing. The, the owner, Danny, there is like, hey. I'm gonna, this is how I'm going to operate. Most of the other restaurants here in Cleveland operate as a normal restaurant. We open at lunch. Right. We'll stay open until 7 or 8 or 9. We have a full service kind of thing or it's a fast casual. But it's not one of those we open at lunch and when we sell out, we're done. Because that seems to piss a lot of right. people right. off if you're not from Texas, if you're not mm-hmm. used to the way that is. Yeah. But he does it. Yeah, it's a very he gets away yeah. with it, I guess is mm-hmm. the best way to say it here in Cleveland. But the food is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And the word of mouth is like fire. And he, he's able to do mm-hmm. it. And he doesn't... When I talk to some of the other restaurateurs here in Cleveland, they're like, well, I don't know why Danny doesn't open uh, for four or five more or cook more food or whatever. And I said, I've talked to him endlessly about this. And he is quality mm-hmm. first. He knows how much he wants to make during the course of a day. And that's how much food that he can you know, correlate how much to buy to, to make the receipts that he wants. And then that's it. He doesn't want to sure. have yeah. 50 pounds of brisket left over because he made too much. Well, then what are you going to do with it? You're going to make a Brunswick stew like everybody else does when they make too much and you know, hide all the stuff that you can't mm-hmm. reheat for the next day. It's always about quality. And he's actually unique in the fact that over this COVID experience and as the meat prices started to raise, he would close down for a week or two at a time because he didn't want to have to jam up the customer. He would close. And when his meat prices started to uh, trickle back down, he would reopen for a day or maybe the weekend. But if they started to spike back up, he'd give everybody notice. So uh, very unique operating here in Cleveland. But those are the three Mm -hmm. that I would say 
you would have to eat at if you want really good barbecue. If you just want to eat barbecue and you're in Cleveland, take your pick of the crap. Fair enough. Uh, any Have you had the chance to do any traveling uh, barbecue travels or experience some barbecue well, Ryan, in your travels? Uh, embarrassingly, and if anybody listens to my show, you know I travel nowhere, right? Uh, it's one of those things. Yeah, However, okay. with the other traveling that I have to do with the sports, for instance, volleyball, like two yes, years yeah. ago, my daughter, yeah. my oldest, who's in college now, played on a team. We had a tournament in Kansas City. So I was able to mm-hmm. touch base with Slaps and Plowboys and uh, uh, Char Bar and some of these other guys, people that I've had on my show that I've never met in person and right. say, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be there. Would love to stop by. Let's yep. hook up and you can feed me. I'll pay, of course. It was a, a wonderful experience and some of the best barbecue that I have had. And it was like a two-day experience where yep. I could get a little free time and blast off one of these spots hook up with the owners, eat the barbecue, mm-hmm. and then get back to do the team stuff. But really, that's yeah. all I've ever done. I was in Chicago. It would be a year ago, August. My middle daughter did some modeling at the Merchandise Mart. So while she was doing the modeling thing during the day, I was hitting like all of the different food. It wasn't specifically barbecue related, although I did go to Smoke. I went to Green Street Barbecue. Yeah. But it, Chicago mm-hmm. might be one of my yeah. favorite cities. I think I would move there. The food scene is incredible, and it is so eclectic. Maybe second to New York City, of course. But it is such a fun Mm -hmm. city and it's so well laid out and it's busy, but it's not New York busy. It's like New York, but just a little less. Not as intimidating. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I I love everything about it. The steaks are great there. The specialty Chicago type food is great there. The barbecue was great there. It's it's an incredible scene. So that's my recent traveling. But man, I I would love to get to the American Royal at some point. I would love to maybe get down to the jack, but the bottom line is this. My show and travel don't have to be hand in hand because of the concept of the show. Sure, it would be cool to be on site, talk to the folks that maybe I've never met Mm -hmm. in person, but it doesn't make the show any more or less legitimate in the grand scheme of things. So, and and, I mean, as you know, I'm a maniac when it comes to sound and connections. So if if the infrastructure isn't going to be somewhere, I'm not going to take the show on the road to say I'm on the road because my luck would be we would have a great 48 hours of live transmissions. Mm -hmm. And then the last two minutes when it really counted, the internet would go out Mm -hmm. or lightning would strike the camp or my computer would blow up. And that's all anybody's going to remember anyway. And so I would have done all this stuff for nothing. So that's just my own mania that I struggle with every day. But uh, you know, that's why I, I have really never gone on the road. I did do a three-day broadcast at the National Barbecue and Grilling Association a couple of years ago. Right. But I have to tell you, I remember I mean, that, that was yeah. a sphincter-puckering three days because I just kept waiting for something to fall out. Luckily, it, it didn't, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not yeah. like I was anxious to do it again, I'll be honest. I hear you. Any uh, future plans for the show? What uh, business as usual? You got any other you know, I would love. I would love for it to get on some kind of traditional platform in the beginning, that was the overriding goal was to structure the show to be as radio ready as possible because I did think that somebody was going to hear my brilliance and say, you need to be on this station. We'll syndicate you like the Howard Stern or the Jim Rome of, of barbecue. Right. Uh, yeah. But it never mm-hmm. happened. But yeah. I, I think I would like that to continue to to be a thought in my mind. I think it can help stations work on a revenue source that 
they don't even know about. Or even on a, on a satellite radio, this is something where big brands could get on board and sponsor and mm-hmm. know that they're talking to the country and they can go to a big box store or a mom and pop retailer and buy their products because they're just national products. So that's one thing that I wouldn't mind happening, but it doesn't have to. I mean, I'm pretty okay with you know where we're sitting at in the niche. Otherwise, you know, I'll continue to listen to the audience and hear about what they want to listen to. Pivot is needed. It's still fun for me, which is the most important part. And if it wasn't a passion to do it every Tuesday, especially live, I would have stopped a long time ago. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Where can uh, folks find you? Websites, thebbqcentralshow.com. On the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snappy Chat, it is at BBQ Central Show. And Facebook is slash BBQ Central Show. That's the show page. Uh, I do have a personal page, although I do not accept any friend requests because Facebook holds you hostage. You Uh, have to have a personal page in order to have a show page. So do me a favor and just go to slash BBQ Central Show and like that. And you can interact with me all you want over there. Awesome. Uh, the last question I ask everybody, Greg, uh, it's dinner time. You got the grill or the smoker fired up. What's uh, what's the go-to for you? Recently, much to my waistline's demise is <laughs> burgers. I yeah. love burgers, and I have we. I think we overbought a bunch of like frozen burgers. Okay, I catch a lot of flack for frozen burgers. Uh, I love Bubba Burgers. They do not spot. They should sponsor me, by the way. If you're listening, Bubba Burgers, you should be sponsoring me because I love your products. And then uh, we got some really crappy, like uh, uh, our Giant Eagle is like the big uh, grocery store around okay. here. And they had right. when the Bubba Burgers were out. So I've been cooking burgers maybe five times a week, really trying to hone in like where the temperature of the grill is at mm-hmm. and how long do I need to do for flips and. Where's that medium to, to medium rare internal and keeping it juicy and adding a yeah. whole bunch of different stuff to it. So burgers have been really big. Also, uh, crab legs. Uh, if I have access to some really good crab legs, and uh, those are big hit here in the family. If the smoker's on, inevitably, it's going to be barbecued ribs. Uh, yeah. Spares are my favorite. Although, mm-hmm. if I only have access to baby backs, I can do those pretty good too. Yeah. So uh, ribs... Uh, seem a little bit like, uh, oh, that's lame, but man, no. when executed right, uh, ribs uh, are hard to beat. Absolutely. I'm with you there. Well, Greg, uh, thank you so much to do this, uh, for doing this. Uh, truly a pleasure to visit with you here and uh, get your point of view on the uh, the barbecue world. So thank you for doing this. Brian, my pleasure and continued success to you. Feel free to reach out if you need anything. I'm always here to help. I will do. Thank you very much. You got it. That's a wrap, everybody. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate you tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the show, and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. They sure help increase the show's visibility. Big thanks to Greg Rempe for joining me on the podcast this week. It was truly a pleasure speaking with you. You can find me on Twitter at Eat More Barbecue and on Facebook and Instagram at Eat underscore More underscore Barbecue. If you have any questions or guest suggestions, my email is eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com. Thanks to Alan Horbin for the great music on this and every episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. Until next time, folks, keep on smoking, take care of one another, and stay safe. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. It's a production of www.eatmorebarbecue.ca. 